Welcome to this place of peace. May we find some moments of quiet contemplation here. Welcome to this place of celebration. May our hearts soar with gratitude for the gift of life. Welcome to this place of sacred love. May we gently hold all that is broken here. Welcome to this place of inquiry. Here, may we be challenged to open our minds and our hearts ever wider. Come into this place of community. May we together draw the circle of love and justice ever wider. Welcome to this sacred space we co-create as we gather in ways old and new. Come, let us worship, celebrate, grieve and love together. These opening words written by Kathy Rion Star. They welcome all those who've gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those gathered here in person at Essex Church in Kensington, and also to those who are joining us via Zoom from far and wide. For those who don't know me, my name's Jane Blackhall, and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If it's your first time joining us this morning, um, we're especially glad to have you with us. Welcome. Perhaps you might like to hang around for a chat and a cuppa after the service. Drop us an email to introduce yourself, perhaps, or even come along to one of our small groups to get to know us a bit better. Special welcome also to friends and guests, old and new, who I know are with us this morning for a special occasion. To the regulars, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come, for keeping faith with our Unitarian calls, for all you do to keep the show on the road. Whoever you are, however you are, whatever state you're in this morning, you're welcome just as you are. I hope each person gathered finds something of what they need in this service this morning. And the service is entitled, The Art of Forgetting. We often speak of the importance of remembering in church, especially in religious contexts, and rightly so. A lot of what we do here is about recalling our values, keeping the memory of our forebears, reminding ourselves and each other about the things that matter most in life, keeping our tradition alive in our minds and hearts. But today we're going to turn that upside down just for the day. And we're going to ask whether there's also something to be said for forgetting, forgetting as part of a balanced and flourishing human life. Are there times and situations in life when we might in fact be wiser to forget, not to cling so fiercely to our memories and to willingly let things go? Before we go any further, let's take a moment to settle ourselves properly, to become fully present in this sacred time and place, this precious hour of peace, wherever we may be. You might want to put down anything you don't need to be holding, whether that's physically or metaphorically. You might want to stop and take one conscious breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe out anything that's stopping you from being fully present here and now. I'm going to light our chalice flame now as I do each time we gather. This is a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universities the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. For this one hour, 
May we lay down our anxieties, our fears, our anger, our self-doubt, our regrets, our grievances and our distractions. If only for this hour, let the flame of this small chalice burn them from our hearts and minds and light our way to a place of peace and serenity for this one holy hour. So let's take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer now. The prayer is uh, based on some words by Bruce Southworth, a UU minister. You might want to do something to get yourself more comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Perhaps there's some sort of posture that helps you feel more prayerful. Whatever works for you, whatever helps you to get in the right state of body and mind for us to pray together, to be fully present with ourselves, each other, and that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is. Be with us now, as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. At moments like this, we gather each alone in our solitude. May we embrace this moment in silence, allowing each gentle breath to clear our minds and soothe our weary souls. At moments like this, we try to set aside the daily obstacles, the headaches and the irritations. We try to forget our worries and open ourselves to the pulse and the flow of life itself. We may carry with us fears about health or illness, about work or family, about success or failure. And for a time, we seek to set them aside too and take this hour to nurture our deepest selves We know that we need one another and we must keep faith with one another if we're to keep faith with the world, to play our part, to do the work of love. In this quiet time when we've opened ourselves to the depths, may we sense and know the spirit of life and love within us and ever at hand, guiding and sustaining so the strength we need and the compassion the world needs will come to us in times of trial and transformation. And in a few moments of shared stillness and silence now, may our hearts speak silently all the prayers of our lives. Maybe something's weighing heavy on us this day, troubling our conscience, perhaps. Or maybe we're full of gratitude and feel moved to give thanks for our blessings, large and small. Let us lift up whatever's on our heart this day and ask for what we most need to.
spirit of life, God of all love. As this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing. Our first hymn today is Here We Have Gathered. Uh, for those of you who are present at the church in person, you'll find the words on your little hymn sheet. And for those joining via Zoom, they'll be up on your screen in just a moment. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer as we sing. Forgetting by Oliver Berkman. For decades, psychologists have understood our ability to forget isn't so much a failing as a vital complement to remembering, a mental decluttering without which we'd find it harder to assimilate new data. Jill Price, an American hypothermia sufferer who can seemingly recall 
every detail of her life since the age of 14 has called her existence agonizing. But deliberately trying to forget things as a path to peace of mind still has a bad reputation. Thanks largely to Freud's ideas about repression. To an old school psychoanalyst, there's never a good reason to push something from your mind. The very fact that you're trying shows it needs to be confronted or it will manifest more damagingly elsewhere instead. Yet there are surely countless everyday things we'd rather forget. Moments of excruciating embarrassment or stressful future events you can't do anything about right now. The good news, as reported in Scientific American Mind, is that you can. Attempting not to think about something can notoriously have the opposite effect. The don't think of a white bear problem. But research shows suppression gets better with practice and substituting a thought with another thought can work well too. Intriguingly, those who are best at deliberate forgetting are those who are best at remembering things. A sharp and healthy mind is one that can remember and forget. Distracting yourself is another technique that gets a bad rap, but that can be similarly effective. Action interferes with recollection, as one researcher put it. Want to forget your screw-up at work today? Cook a complex dinner tonight. As a society, we're getting worse at forgetting, thanks to the internet. Amazon, Google, and Facebook remember everything you use them forever. There have been calls to change this default setting so that unless you choose otherwise, your online activities will eventually slip into the memory hole. It will never happen. But it's a welcome intervention in the polarized debate between advocates of privacy and publicness. Perhaps living in public in the digital era would be less unsettling if we could trust the internet. Like an optimally functioning human mind might eventually also forget. Thanks, Rachel. So we're moving now into a time of meditation. I'm going to offer a poem by Joy Ladin. It's called Forgetting, got a slightly different angle on the theme. And that poem will take us into a few minutes of shared stillness. It's a longish poem, a couple of minutes, I suppose. And I always want to say at this point, don't worry too much about making sense of the poem at first hearing. 
I think it's all right to just let the words wash over you and trust that any little phrase or fragment that catches your ear is the bit that you were meant to hear and meditate on. If you want to read it again, the whole text of the service is on our website so you can study it more closely another time. After the poem, we'll have about three minutes of silence, which will end with the sound of a bell. And then we're going to hear some more lovely music from Sydney and Peter. So again, let's each do what we need to do to feel comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to help ground and steady yourself. You might like to close your eyes. And the words, the music, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. So Joy Ladian's poem is prefaced with a few words from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 14 to 15. Zion says, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her baby or disown the child of her womb? Though she might forget, I could never forget you. You never remember anything, do you? How I formed you in your mother's womb, nursed you, bathed you, taught you to talk, led you to springs of water. I sang your name before you were born. I'm singing your name now. You're clueless as an infant. When I tell you to shout for joy, you hear a bicycle or a cat. Sometimes memories of me come back like children you forgot you had, a garden, a bride, an image of your mother, your best friend, your brother or cop or a snow or afternoon. The heavens shout, mountain becomes road, gardenias burst into song. Whose are these, you wonder? Then you forget and feel forgotten, like an infant who falls asleep at a mother's breast and wakes up hungry again. Your mother might forget you, child, but I never forget. I've engraved your name on the palm of my hands. I show you trees. I lay you down in the grass. I shower you with examples of my love. Sex and birds, librarians and life skills, emotions, sunlight, compassion. Nothing connects. Every dawn, every generation, I have to teach you again. This is water. This is darkness. This is a body fitting your description. That's a crush. These are bodily functions. This is an allergic reaction. This is your anger. This is mine. This is me reminding you to eat, to turn off the stove, to take your medication. This is the realization that I am yours and you are mine. This is you forgetting.
Forgetfulness, a, a poem by Billy Collins. <clears throat> the name of the author is the first to go, followed obediently by the title, the plot, the heartbreaking conclusion, the entire novel, which suddenly becomes one you have never read, never even heard of, as if one by one, the memories you used to harbour decided to retire to the southern hemisphere of the brain, to a little fishing village where there are no phones. Long ago, you kissed goodbye to the nine muses and watched the quadratic equation pack its bag. And even now, as you memorise the order of the planets, Something else is slipping away. A state flower, perhaps? The address of an uncle? The capital of Paraguay? Whatever it is you are struggling to remember, it's not poised on the tip of your tongue, or even lurking in some obscure corner of your spleen. It has floated away down a dark mythological river whose name begins with an L, as far as you can recall, well on your own way to oblivion, where you will join those who have even forgotten how to swim and how to ride a bicycle. No wonder you rise in the middle of the night to look up the date of a famous battle in a book of war. No wonder the moon in the window seems to have drifted out of a love poem that you used to know by heart. Thanks, Brian. Forgetfulness, generally speaking, is not a trait that people tend to aspire to, not something that people tend to be proud of or actively cultivate. As I mentioned at the start of the service, we often speak of the importance of remembering in religious and spiritual contexts. But in the next 14 minutes or so, we'll consider if there might be some ways in which forgetting can be somewhat beneficial or even necessary for a well-rounded and flourishing human life. Up to a point, forgetting can be good for you intellectually in terms of learning and creativity, emotionally in terms of freedom from worry, and spiritually, in terms of personal and social transformation. So I'm going to consider each of those realms in turn and ask whether we might hold remembering and forgetting in a better balance as we cultivate the art of forgetting. But there are plenty of legitimate reasons why we might be anti-forgetting. So let's get them out of the, out of the way, out, out into the open before we go any further. Firstly, and most simply, most of our everyday experiences of involuntary forgetting are connected with inconvenience, irritation, occasionally social embarrassment. We go upstairs to get something, and when we get there, we can't remember what we went for, or even why we went up in the first place. Maybe we were in the pub quiz, and we can't remember the capital of Paraguay, as the poem just said or we can't bring to mind some scintillating fact when we need it in conversation, perhaps we bump into an acquaintance and we find that we've completely forgotten their name. These are already pretty familiar everyday occurrences for me, even at the age of 47. 
But beneath the surface of these everyday irritations, these small moments of forgetfulness, they might provoke discomfort at a deeper level. For starters, these lapses remind us that we humans are fallible, that we're not always on top of things in the way that we might hope. And beyond that, we might associate forgetfulness with our own personal decline. Memory loss is something that many of us fear coming upon us as we get older, and it might bring to mind painful thoughts of people we know and love who are suffering from dementia and other progressive conditions. And that Billy Collins poems we just heard from Brian, that evokes that sense of memory slipping away over time. Another reason why we might feel uneasy about forgetting is in relation to certain famous proverbs and sayings that we might have internalised, proverbs that encapsulate society's attitudes towards the value of remembering. I'm thinking especially of those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. When we think of terrible atrocities and tragedies, we're called both to honour the memories of the victims, to learn from the mistakes so that it doesn't happen again. And perhaps these days we might be concerned about forgetting in the sense of denial, um, choosing to actively block out certain things we know to be true about the world and its workings, but which we just can't bear to keep in our consciousness because the implications seem so terrible. In that sense, there's a kind of moral dimension to remembering and forgetting, and I don't want to downplay that at all. And that, of course, might lead us on to a, another aspect of forgetting that's deeper still, our own mortality. One day we will be gone. Eventually, all those who knew us will be gone too. Will we be remembered? The thought of being gone and forgotten is quite a sobering one. So forgetting's got a lot of negative connotations. And in many cases, things will by default be forgotten unless we as individuals and as a society make a particular effort to remember them. In general, it is remembering rather than forgetting we've got to work on. But that doesn't mean that forgetting has no value. As we heard from the reading that Rachel gave for us earlier by Oliver Berkman, forgetting is a vital complement to remembering. And perhaps it's about keeping the two in proper balance. I found a very short paper by um, someone called Elizabeth Vincent. It was written over 100 years ago now, and that's called The Art of Forgetting. I know nothing at all about the author, I'm afraid, but I'm going to share a little excerpt of what she wrote. She says, to remember rightly and truly, one has to forget. If we actually remembered everything, we should practically remember nothing because we would be swamped and drowned in a mass of confusing details and our rebuilding memory would stand hopeless before the task of uniting all these bits into a clear and convincing picture. But if we knew how to forget, if we don't cling to facts like a frightened swimmer clings to a pole, but dive with a fine and strong stroke towards the deep blue alluring waters to a new and beckoning spiritual shore, then we shall see what we've forgotten coming back to us, clearer and purer, deeper and fuller with meaning, all the incidental details gone, but the essential picture heightened and more ours now than ever before. Words from Elizabeth Vincent. So this sets us up nicely to think about the intellectual benefits of forgetting. First things first, to state the obvious, you just can't remember everything or at least most people can't. As we heard in the reading, there are a few poor souls who seem to be able to remember everything. And by all accounts, they are tormented by that condition. 
in the modern world there is ever more information and data coming our way and it's difficult to know how to deal with it all without becoming overwhelmed. Often the challenge is to sift through this deluge of information for the bits that are worth remembering, worth keeping hold of. There's a lot of noise swamping the nuggets and selective forgetting is one of the ways in which we respond. And that selection is partly conscious and partly unconscious. Some years ago, I heard a story on the excellent podcast, Radio Lab, which was in fact the initial inspiration for today's service. The item was about an avant-garde rock band who'd been rehearsing a new song. They spent a whole evening practicing it over and over and over, but the drummer just could not get the hang of the rhythm and kept making mistakes here and there. Eventually she gave up, they knocked the rehearsal on the head, everybody went to bed. The next day she got up, went straight to the drum kit, got it right first time. I think a few of us must have had similar experiences when a good night's sleep has had a seemingly miraculous effect when we've been trying to learn something new. And that's because forgetting might be a vital part of learning. This is a very condensed version of that story and its interpretation, but in a nutshell, the explanation given was a key function of sleeping is that it enables us to forget. If I've understood correctly, slow waves of electrical activity pass over the brain during the night, gently eroding all of our memories, including the things we want to remember and the mistakes we want to forget and all the incidental things that happen during the day that we have no particular need to recall. And when we're trying to learn something like the drummer trying to learn a particular pattern, we tend to reinforce that memory by repetition. So the memory of the thing we're actively trying to learn survives this process of erosion. So all the random mistakes get thrown away and the bits that you want to retain are left behind. That's my best attempt at explaining the theory. Another cognitive benefit of forgetting might be in relation to creativity, holding ideas loosely, thinking fuzzily. This may allow you to combine them in new ways. Gaps in our memories may indeed be a blessing as they give us the room to come up with something new. Famous neurologist Oliver Sacks has written on this. He said, we human beings are landed with memory systems that have fallibilities, frailties and imperfections, but also great flexibility and creativity. He also writes about the uh, tendency we have to forget where we picked up ideas and to assimilate them and treat them as if they were our own. He talks about autoplagiarism, where we've forgotten our own ideas and they lie dormant for years before we pick them up at a later stage as if they were brand new. And he continues, I suspect such forgettings happen for everyone. And they may be particularly common in those who write or paint or compose, for creativity may require such forgettings in order that one's memories and ideas can be born again and seen in new contexts and perspectives. That's from Oliver Sacks. Another realm where forgetting is important. Sometimes there are things we would really like to forget, but we find that we can't stop thinking about them. For those who are in the building, are any of you familiar with these little figures on the front of your order of service? And if you're at home, uh, they're on the website at the end of the text of the service. These little figures are known as Guatemalan worry dolls. I've never been to Guatemala, but they were all the rage in the new age hippie shops that I used to go to as a teenager. The idea is that if you're troubled by worries, then you tell them to a worry doll and you place it under your pillow before you go to sleep. The folklore says that the doll takes your worries away so you can sleep in peace and in the morning your worries will be gone and forgotten. 
I guess it's a pretty much universal experience to have such worries and thoughts and feelings that we'd like a bit of respite from. And I know from my own experience that in times of stress and anxiety and sadness, all I want to do is have a break from the loop of distressing thoughts that's going round and round my brain. Sometimes sleep is the only respite. And the first few seconds on waking up are perhaps the only moments of peace in a day before all the unpleasant realities come flooding back in. As we heard in the reading by Berkman earlier, choosing to forget has got a bad name. As there is a good psychological principle that such memories should generally be brought to light with professional help if they're serious and closely examined for what we can learn from them. In terms of our day-to-day -day worries and stress, it might well be argued, though, that trying to, rather than trying to forget them, we should try and face them head on, try to tackle our situation in some practical way in order to change it. But sometimes we just need a break, a bit of guilt-free time out, which might just enable us to carry on. And it's worth employing some of those tips that Berkman suggests to forget our worries for a while, substituting negative thoughts with something else, doing some physical activity, particularly a complex one to put them out of our mind. It is okay to forget about it all just for a while, let ourselves have a rest as a kindness to ourselves. And after a break, if it's enabled us to turn down the volume on those intrusive and worrying thoughts, we might find we're more able to cope and re-engage with the struggle and carry on. Elizabeth Vincent had something to say about that too. She said, to be happy, one has to forget. If we were constantly facing the futility of our days, the doom awaiting us, the mistakes we've made, the wrong paths we've taken, the aims we've missed, we could not live another day. But as long as we forget, the bitterness in our heart is charmed away, as David charmed away the gloom of Saul with his lute. And once more, we look upon life and fate with the trust of a child, and we believe that what is, is good. Once more, we belong to life and life belongs to us. We forget because we find only in forgetting the possibility to be and live on. Which brings us to a final realm where forgetting plays a vital role on the path of personal, social and spiritual transformation. Mystics of various traditions often talk of the way of forgetting or unknowing as being a necessary aspect of the journey towards God. And advanced Buddhist meditators sometimes talk of forgetting worldly experiences and concepts altogether as they ascend to higher states of consciousness. But this sort of spiritual transformation can't be divorced from the real world. True spirituality influences our whole way of living and being. To make radical personal changes, we might just need to forget who we used to be. That poem that Brian read for us alluded to the river Lethe from Greek mythology, the river of forgetting in the underworld, in which souls would bathe and thus forget their previous lives in order to be reborn. Forgetting can liberate us from a past which holds us back. And the same goes for radical social change. The activists who change the world are those who are forgetful of received wisdom, social convention, and the preconceptions which are quite ingrained into most of us which condition our outlook on life and which we might not even be conscious of. Forgetting may bring about a kind of beginner's mind, which allows us to see things with fresh eyes and new hope. Evelyn Underhill, who wrote a great deal about mysticism, had this to say, 
the old moralists said that hope was the virtue which purified the memory and made it fit for God. And by memory, they meant all our funded experience, the hoarded past which we drag along with us and which conditions our whole outlook on life. In respect of all this, hope teaches us the art of wise forgetting, dropping the, out, the outgrown, the superfluous, the superfluous, the trivial. It cleanses the mind from all those half realities which impede the total concentration of our love and will on God and lifts up all the rest of our experience into the eternal light. Thus the pain and disappointment, the tragedy and frustration of existence are transfigured when hope purifies the mind. Words in praise of wise forgetting from Evelyn Underhill. Remembering is a hugely important aspect of everyday life. In many ways, it's a sacred task to remember, and it's an act of love as well. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary to remember and work at remembering. But sometimes it's okay, or more than okay, to forget. We need to keep the two in proper balance. And to borrow Evelyn Underhill's turn of phrase, we need to cultivate the art of wise forgetting in order to learn and create, be liberated from our worries and ultimately flourish in this life. So may we all become wise in the art of forgetting for the greater good of all. Amen. Let's sing one more time. Again, the words are on your order of service. Well, they'll be up on screen for the splendor of creation and again stand or sit as you prefer as we see
just a few announcements now. Thanks for, to Ramona for tech hosting and Janine in support. Thanks to Rachel for co-hosting at home and for the reading, along with Brian, who's just disappeared to put the kettle on. Thanks to Liz for greeting and to Sydney and Peter for playing for us today, beautiful music. Um, for those of you who are here in person, tea and coffee will be served and biscuits hopefully in the room next door after the service. Uh, there'll be virtual coffee on Zoom hosted by Rachel if anyone wants to stop and chat. We've got various small groups happening during the week. Coffee morning is online, half 10 on Wednesday morning. And there are still spaces if anyone wants to sign up for Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering online at 7 tonight and Friday on the theme of humility. Our service next Sunday will be back on Zoom, which will be led by me and Patricia on the theme of loving disruption. I didn't know how to say that. It's got a question mark at the end, which is meant to intrigue. Um, as I mentioned last week, we're in the process of setting up a WhatsApp group to keep in touch within the congregation. Um, I will get that underway this week, but if you'd like to be a part of it, let me know your phone number. And this congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch and support each other and do what you can during the week. All this information is on the back of your order of service and in the Friday email as well. So just some brief closing words and closing music now. Our time in this gathering may have ended, but our connection to each other and this community remains. Together, may we walk the path of justice, speak words of love, live the selfless deed, tread gently on the earth, and fill the world with compassion. Until we meet again, go well and blessed be. Amen.